Uh, before we dive into uh, Matthew chapter 13, just a word of reminder. We've been looking at this idea of the, the, our series where we are called out by God, out of darkness and into his wonderful light, out of our sin and into his grace, out of so much of what has us in bondage and into uh, the gospel. And, and we've been looking at, in this uh, fourth season of this series, uh, the, at the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom, the rule and the reign of Jesus in this world. And so we've been looking at the book of Matthew for us to understand what the kingdom is. And so the good news of the kingdom is found, and let's uh, look at a couple different passages uh, just to see. In, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 23, Jesus, when he begins his ministry, he says this, and, or, or Matthew is talking about Jesus starting his ministry, and he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And then the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches, and then we get to Matthew 9, verse 35, a, a verse very, very similar to Matthew 4. Uh, Matthew writes this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And so it's an interesting thing because we tend to think of the gospel as the, that Jesus died for our sins so that we might have forgiveness. And that is most definitely uh, amidst and a part of the gospel. But, but it, how Matthew describes the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. Not just the gospel of uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, but the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of Jesus ruling and reigning over all things. That is the good news for us, and that's the good news for our world. And so we're going to look at, at a few very short verses in Matthew 13 that describe the kingdom. And so what is the gospel of the kingdom? Uh, Jesus in Matthew 13 is telling a bunch of different parables, a bunch of different things that are describing the kingdom. What is the kingdom of Jesus about? And we're going to look at a few verses this morning. So would you stand as we just read the word of God? We desire to hear from him. He's speaking and we surrender to his word. So Jesus says this in verse 44 of Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So what do those verses have for us today in our understanding of the kingdom? Let's pray. Uh, Father, be with us. Would you teach us? Would you speak to us? Would you open our minds and our hearts as we uh, reflect on what it is uh, that you and the good news that you have for us is that you are the king and that you are ruling, you are sovereign, and you are reigning over all things. Father, challenge us in our thinking. God, I pray that you draw our hearts to you. Father, for those in this room who have never bowed their knee to you, Jesus, as king, God, would you draw them to know him today? Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. 
As you hear those two parables, a guy working in a field, he's, he's, uh, he's working for somebody else. He's working in somebody else's field, and he, he hits something. He looks at it. It's buried treasure, and, uh, and he goes, and he, uh, and he buries that treasure back, and he buys that field. That sounds kind of odd in our day and age, but during that time, there were no banks uh, there were no banks, so if you had a bunch of money, uh, it's not like you took it and put it on deposit down at Bank of America or Wells Fargo. Uh, if you had something of immense value, not even a ton of money, and you wanted to keep it safe, what did you do in the ancient world is that you buried it. You hid it in some fashion. And if you had a field, you would dig a hole. You would uh, somehow, you would put that in your field so that nobody else might be able to find it. And so if you're going to hide it and you don't want anybody else to find it, you're probably not going to tell them or tell anybody where it is. Well, in the ancient world, uh, with uh, wars uh, quite often coming up unexpectedly, sickness, disease, unexpected death, uh, losing of your land for all sorts of reasons, it was a fairly regular thing that you would go and bury your treasure and then something would happen to you and then your treasure would actually be uh, still in that field but nobody knew it was there and so it remains kind of hidden in there. And so, uh, so there comes a worker uh, and the treasure is still there. He's working in the field, and he bumps into the treasure. He finds it, and what's interesting in that day and age is that the law of the day was finders keepers, okay? Uh, that's not how we roll, but in that day and age, if you find it, it's yours, uh, and so just to make sure that the finders keepers was, uh, was the, uh, his to make sure that he finds this treasure and he's able to keep it, he says, you know what? I'm going to double down. And I'm not just going to just say, hey, I found this, it's mine. I'm going to actually go, and I'm going to uh, sell everything I have, and I'm going to go buy this field so that this treasure that's right in the middle of the field is now mine. And so if you didn't have a bunch of money because you're working in somebody else's field, you would have to probably sell a bunch of your stuff, and that's what this guy does. And he goes and he gathers a bunch of stuff together. And if you had a treasure that was worth more than everything that you have ever put your hands on in your entire life, what would you do to go find it? What would you do to go possess that? You know, you would, this guy said he went and he sold, Jesus said he sold everything in order to find the field, or in, in order to buy the field and gain the treasure. And so what's interesting is when we start thinking of the idea of the kingdom of God, when we start thinking of the gospel, would you liken it to the greatest treasure that you have ever uh, laid eyes on? Would you liken it to the greatest treasure that you have ever um, uh, thought about in your life? A lot of times we say the gospel is the good news of our life, is the very thing that we define our life according to. But what, do we really live as if the good news of the kingdom is the greatest treasure we could ever find? So the good news of the kingdom requires everything we have. So if I was going to say, you have to give up everything you own, and you're going to then gain the gospel, would you call that good news? I would say most of us, if we're really honest, if I have to give up everything I have in order to gain the kingdom— does that really sound like good news? Some of us would say, not really. But it's good news when the thing that you're seeking to attain is of inordinate value. 
you know, if, if what you own is this large and what you're going to gain is of, of just insurmountable worth, it's actually not that much of a sacrifice to give up things of minimal value, to gain treasure that you can't even imagine. That's the idea that Jesus is laying out with the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom is that, uh, that his rule and his reign is the very essence of what life was meant to be. And so in order to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom, Jesus is saying something very specific, and he's saying that you have to give up everything. Now that doesn't sound and feel very American because uh, the worker in the field went and sold everything. The merchant who found this pearl of such immense value, he went and he sold everything. And so if you think about it, how do you enter the kingdom of God? If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you can't hold on to anything. To enter the kingdom of God is to say that, uh, that what I am pursuing and what God is offering is of such immense value that I'm willing to give everything up. And the entrance into the kingdom is there. But let me think about this. If, you, if you're someone who actually knows Christ and you say that you uh, would submit and surrender your life to him as king, let me submit to you that it's also true for the ongoing benefit of the kingdom. For us to enjoy the ongoing benefit of the kingdom of Jesus, let me say that to the extent that you withhold anything in your pursuit of the kingdom of God, it's to that extent that you and I miss the blessing of the kingdom as well. It's not saying that we can actually buy our way into the kingdom. That's not Jesus' point. Jesus' point is not take everything that you own and give all your money and that's going to buy you into the kingdom. What he's saying is that these guys gave up everything, uh, everything that they had a hold on in order to possess and enter the kingdom of God. But what's interesting about our view of pleasure, our view of this life, our view of this world is that we tend to hold on to lesser pleasures. What's the thing that you find yourself thinking about most throughout your day? What do you, you know, you're driving, you got nothing to do, um, you know, the, the radio is just kind of there in the background. What are you thinking about most often? What's the thing that's on the front of your mind? What's the thing that you chase after with the most vigor in your life? And I would submit that most often that we tend to hold on to or chase after or search after things that are far too small. We talk about wealth and our culture is all about saving and investing and all of these different things. And we think if we have enough money, then our life is going to be just fine. It's gonna, we're going to feel secure. We're going to feel like we've got it. What, you know, maybe it's not money for you, but it's relationships. If I, have, if I just have the relationship that feels like it defines me or feels like it's going to satisfy my soul, you know what, if I just have a certain relationship or a certain relationship is working and working well, if my family is right, my marriage is right, if I just have that, then life is worth living. But we tend to hold on to, to lesser pleasures. And so I would even say that, that so often in our culture, not just uh, in culture around, but even in God's church, even the way that we view sexuality uh, is something that we have to hold in terms of the kingdom of God. 
are we willing to surrender the ways, uh, the way in which uh, we might view uh, marriage, the way that we might view sexuality, the way that we might pursue it, are we willing to surrender that and say, Jesus, you are king, you rule, you reign, and I find my best in that? Let me ask this question as we talk about the idea of the kingdom, when we start talking about the rule and the reign of Jesus, what are you holding on to in your life that you are unwilling to submit to the lordship of Jesus? Or maybe what are you, un, uh, what are you uh, uh, feeling like you are still king of in your life? So the kingdom of, of, of Christ is that he is ruling not just of, of just little bits and pieces of uh, our life or of this world, but that he is ruling over all things. And so uh, what's wild is that it's not just uh, go and get the kingdom. Uh, there aren't just church attenders that make up the kingdom of God. Because if you were going to see a treasure and you're going to go and sell everything to go and possess it, what does that evoke? That means total abandon in order to enter the kingdom of God. And so it's, it's not just a touch-up job. It's not just... Uh, like we're a little fixer-upper and the gospel comes in and says, you know what, you're a pretty good person and here's a little tweak, a little icing on the cake. The good news of the gospel is not that God tweaks us. The good news of the gospel is that God remakes us. It's the, you know, it's that total overhaul that Jesus makes us new. Go and sell everything to gain the treasure of the kingdom of God. The reorientation of the kingdom is total and complete. And so the good news of the kingdom is, is this sense of giving all that we have, not, not holding parts of us aside, but giving everything to the lordship of Jesus. But the good news of the kingdom is then found in the rule of the king. So if a hidden treasure is here, and so, and, and finding hidden treasure or finding a pearl of great price is what Jesus is, is making an analogy of. What, when these two men find it and they see it, what do they go and do? They sell everything, they give everything, they surrender all that they have in order to do what? To gain him as king. In order to gain the treasure, which is the rule and the reign of of Jesus, that the good news of the kingdom is found in the rule of the king. The good news of the gospel is the good news of the kingdom. The good news is that you and I need a king. The good news is not that you get to rule and reign your own life. The good news is that you, were, you and I were never made to run our lives. We were never made to be king of our lives. We were never made to be the ones who have dominion over our lives. It feels like freedom, but it leads to death. The good news of the kingdom is that there is a righteous and good king that we can surrender to. And so what's interesting is you need God and I need God. You need to know that you are not God, just like I need to know that I'm not God. You need him as your king, I need him as your king, and our world needs him 
as king. And so when you're sitting there explaining the gospel to somebody, the good news of the gospel is the good news of giving up control. Now, to your neighbors who don't know Christ, that sounds like a lot of bad news. But if you think about it, the good news of the kingdom always comes with a king. And the good news of the king is one who will rule and reign in such a way that it takes us out of the driver's seat, out of control. We give up uh, the idea of our life in order to serve and know the king. Here's what's interesting is we are miserable when we are the king of our lives. Because what defines life when we are sitting on the throne? We fear we fear losing what we have or what we want. We live without boundaries on our time. Why? Because we can't allow ourselves to stop or slow down. Why? Because it's all up to us to go get the life that you want. Because you're in control. You're in the driver's seat. You can't stop. You have fear. And your friends may look at you like you're crazy, but the kingdom of God is like a hidden treasure. The kingdom of God... God ruling over your life and my life is like a hidden treasure. You know what's wild about a hidden treasure when Jesus describes it this way, how long is that how long has that treasure been there? The treasure's been there the whole time. And probably people walked past that field a bunch of times. The treasure is there the whole time, but nobody knows it. This guy's probably worked in that field before and he's never found that treasure. Uh, the idea of a hidden treasure is there the entire time, but it's not known. It's not perceived. It's not seen. And even in this case, it's discovered by accident. The most valuable thing that this guy has ever laid hands on was just laying there, and he stumbled across it. The kingdom, the kingdom and the good news of the gospel of the kingdom is not announced with some divine billboard. It's there the whole time, yet most people never see it. It's kind of like a buried treasure that nobody sees. You know, if you talk to somebody who came to Christ as an adult, they'll often say something similar to this. How have I not seen this my entire life? Especially people that have grown up in church and never known Christ and then they find Jesus, they submit their life to him, and then it's like the aha goes, and they're like, how did I miss this for 30 or 40 years? How is that possible? It's like a hidden treasure. The kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of Jesus over our lives, that, that a lot of people would say, man, that sounds like bad news. It's sitting over here. And Jesus is saying, if you allow me to be your king, I will give you treasure that you can't even imagine. Not in a physical sense, not that he's going to say, you know what, I'll pay all your bills and you'll never struggle with a mortgage payment. But there is more to, <laughs> amen, right? Uh, there, there is more to this life than the lesser pleasures that we chase. The kingdom of God is like a hidden treasure, but most people fail to see its value. In Colossians 1, uh, verse 13, uh, it says that he has delivered us, so God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved 
son. That's the move of the gospel. He has transferred us. He has delivered us from darkness, from one kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And in that, and in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's no middle ground when you think of the, the, the good news of the kingdom comes with a king. There's no middle ground there. Answer this question, is Jesus your king this morning? Is Jesus the king of your life? Because there's not really gradations on that answer. Either he is or he isn't. There's not like, well, he's sort of king. You know, there aren't sort of kings. There are kings and they're not kings. Uh, there are ones that we submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to. There's not partial entrance into the kingdom. There's no marginal uh, kind of kingship. Jesus is either your king or he's not. And then what is it for him to rule over all aspects of our life? The good news of the kingdom is that we abandon our self-rule. We abandon our self-rule and surrender to the rule of King Jesus. And that is is worth giving up everything for. That's the claim that Jesus is making. The kingdom of heaven is like buried treasure. When you find it, you go and you give up everything to attain it. Because think of the other. If Jesus is not your king and you're not surrendered to him, what are you doing? You're living for yourself. You're living for some other version of what life looks like. You're, you're like we talked about before, you're trying to gain enough money to satisfy yourself. You're trying to have some experience to satisfy your, your heart. Uh, if Jesus isn't ruling all things, then you are chasing and serving something, but it's not a good ruler. To abandon yourself from your self-rule and that's where the confidence is. You know, in, in Matthew 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. That's the promise of the good king. Do you have confidence in him to surrender what you think in order to be confident and follow his rule? Because the good news of the kingdom comes with a king. And so Queen Elizabeth I, so back late 1500s, um, so this story has been uh, probably retread a lot of different times. Um, I'm hoping it's true. Uh, so we'll, we'll go there. Uh, that she had asked a man to voyage um, to the New World, to, to, to basically come over, and she needed him and his skills on this voyage to make this, uh, whatever she was setting out for this, a voyage to accomplish. She needed this man uh, on this uh, on this team and so he had this small business and uh and and he actually said I'm, I'm a small businessman and my business is floundering if i go on this voyage my business will surely fall apart my my business will surely sink and fail and she looked at him and she says my dear friend you mind my business and i will mind yours and so for a, a small business owner, the promise of Queen Elizabeth to have her eye on his business gave him the freedom to pursue the business of the kingdom, does it not? When the king says, I've got it, then the good news of the kingdom is actually what is freeing 
for us. And so the good news of the kingdom is worth everything we have. It comes with the idea of a king, but it's also what your heart is searching for. And so sorry for ending that sentence with a preposition. Um, couldn't figure out a different way to phrase it. So, uh, but it's what our hearts are searching for. It's tr- hidden treasure. It's the thing that's not obvious. And what's wild is one guy is working in a field, right? He's working in a field, and he, how does he come across the treasure? He just stumbles across it. Well, the next guy is a merchant of fine pearls. And in that day, pearls were the most precious gem on the planet. Um, there are some estimates that there were pearls that would be modern-day um, $30 million, or, or actually $300 million pearls. That would be crazy to us, but, you know, the Hope Diamond is about worth uh, as much as that. But in that day, pearls were the thing. And so one guy stumbles across the treasure. The other is a merchant who's looking for fine pearls. Did you see that? So, uh, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. One stumbles across it. One is seeking it. But either way, what do they do? When they see something of such incredible value, they find it, then they realize its value, and then I love the way the first guy is, expl- is described. What, does he just, just go and sell everything? How does he go and sell everything? In his joy, he goes and he sells everything he has to go get the treasure. He gave up everything, and it wasn't just a sacrifice. It was with joy that he gave it all up. It was he recognized what what he was living for and what he had paled in comparison to the treasure that he would gain. And Jesus is saying the treasure that we gain is the kingdom of heaven. The rule in the reign of Jesus, when you find it, you might be in here by accident today. And you might be tripping across the idea of the kingdom of God, like a hidden treasure. Or you might be here, be here on purpose. You know what? I, I purpose to come in and, and seek the things of God. Regardless, you may be finding again or for the first time that the kingdom and the rule and the reign of Jesus is the good news for God's people. And when we realize it, uh, are you willing and are you able to say, in joy, we would go and we would, fi- we would give up everything to have the kingdom rule of Jesus in our life? It's far more glorious than we could imagine, but it's also far more costly. You can't just say, you know what, I'm kind of in, you know, I'm around, I'm around the things of God. That is not surrendering to King Jesus. And if you don't surrender to King Jesus, the kingdom is of no good news to you. Is he your king and have you surrendered all things? So what do we do? If you're one that might say, you know what, I don't find that level of joy. I don't find that sense where I'm chasing after the things of God and his rule and reign in my life with vigor like it is the greatest thing that I could ever have in my life. I think the right move and the right uh, response is that of repentance. Not just to flog ourselves or to make ourselves feel bad, but to come before the living God and say, Jesus, King Jesus, 
I have valued all sorts of other things. I have chased after all sorts of other things. And I come before you. Would you heal my heart? Would you give me the joy of what it is to surrender and to know you and to be uh, found as your uh, subject, that he is king and we are not? We find our, our, our very essence in surrendering to him. Are you there and do you find your joy there? Because it's only in him being king that we find salvation. Is that, that when we are rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins, that's what the table is all about. It wasn't that you and I, because we had such willpower, we changed our mind and we said, we're going to leave this kingdom and we're going to go to this kingdom. No, it took the death and the resurrection of Jesus to transfer you. You and I were bound as uh, ones who are enslaved to the, to the dominion of darkness, our sin and our rebellion. You and I were caught. The only way that we might be free is that Jesus would go to the cross and pay for our sin, pay for our rebellion, pay for uh, all of that guilt so that we might break the bondage of our sin so that we might be able to enter into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Are you in the kingdom? Do you know him as king? It truly is as easy as submitting and placing your faith in Jesus alone for your salvation. We're going to use that to usher us into the table, but let me pray before we do. As the kids come back and, and they come in uh, to hear and to uh, uh, see the, the things of God. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would do um, great things in our hearts. Father, as we think of the idea of the kingdom, uh, Father, I pray that we wouldn't miss that it's our sin uh, that uh, put Jesus on the cross. Father, that it is us and our rebellion and our bondage that we're, we're caught, we're stuck, and that we have no hope except for the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Father, be with us now as we partake of uh, a bread and, and the cup, Father, uh, elements that uh, are, are signs that point to your goodness. Uh, Father, I pray that you would do amazing things in our hearts. God, encourage us. Uh, help us to know uh, that with you as king, we don't have to sit there. And that's the good news, that you have purchased our salvation. You rule as a good king. And Father, in that, we can have great joy. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.